I'm telling you, those two ladies could be bedwetters and I would not complain. I would not complain. I'd sleep in the wet spot. It's okay. Welcome to Packers Without Borders, the greatest podcast on the planet. <laughs> Welcome to Packers Without Borders. I'm your co-host, Matt Larson. I'm Bruce Edmonds. Get ready for an hour of Packers, dad life, laps, and love. Vamanos! Hey, guys. I'm Amy from Wichita, Kansas, and you're listening to Packers Without Borders with Matt and Bruce. Packers Without Borders, I am your humble and effervescent, courageous, brave host, Matt Larson up here in Manitoba, Oak Bank, Manitoba, Canada. I, of course, am joined by the Mohawk-wearing Bruce Edmonds down in El Paso, Texas. How you doing, buddy? Dude, it's been two weeks since I have not had my full sale session beers get your shit together i need my set <laughs> do you hear that session beer that's that's a plea that's a plea please, for help please I'm, I'm drinking stella's right now man it's like i'm, I'm living a, on the edge St- stella's are all right stella's are all right they're a little skunky but they're good so you know bruce how did you become a packer fan 1989 i remember it like it was yesterday <laughs> Back in the day, when I was walking on with those shoes in the snow and with no shirt or underwear on, those were the days. Six yeah. miles uphill both ways. Yes, <laughs> no, it was it was Brett Favre, man. And it was, you know, growing up, I had other teams. My dad was a Bears fan, obviously, growing up in Chicago. He actually... Um, was drafted by the Bears as in, well, not drafted, but un, signed as an unrestricted free agent. He played at Illinois and actually roomed with Dick Butkus, man. So it's like, wow. Yeah, like deep, deep uh, football roots, you know, with the Bears. So there was this period in my life right around when I turned, what, 14 or 15, right? And you want to kind of retaliate a little bit against your dad. And the first, team that I I don't know how the hell this happened you know when I was young I there's like pictures of me with the Detroit Lions shirt on I'm like what the fuck is that because I don't even you gotta burn that pick you gotta burn that pick well yeah (laughs) well now it's digital you know it's like I don't think the actual picture exists anymore because we scan all our pictures in there but um my my first football I'll, I'll go this way so my first football memory that I have of a player that I enjoyed and I think you know what's going to get to it is you always like a player and kind of gravitate towards, and we talked about this with Jeremy, you gravitate towards a team because of a player, right? And the first player I remember seeing a Coke commercial in the 70s with Mean Joe Green from the Steelers. And it was, he's walking down the tunnel, this little kid walks up to him, he's like, hey, Joe. He's like, here you go, kid. And he hands him a Coca-Cola or whatever that commercial yeah. right? So yeah. I remember that, and I just got that ingrained in my head. But Brett Favre, in college, 
I started following him in college. To me, he was just whatever it was, was extremely dynamic. It was an incredible. I started following Favre in college. And when he got drafted by Atlanta, I was really disappointed. Um, I was really hoping the, that the Packers would take him. But I was already a Packers fan at that point um, because I was still kind of picking teams in between teams, but not a hardcore fan. But I was starting to like and starting to follow the draft. And, you know, right around 14, I think you start paying attention to what football is, right? Not necessarily just, oh, I like this team because I like this team. It's like, no, I was interested in who were they drafting. And then, and we sucked and there was a shitty team, which is part of the reason I kind of took on the team because I was never going to pick a team that was winning because I didn't want to be a bandwagoner to say, oh, I'm on this team. Everybody would tell me you're on this team because they're winning. It's like, no, okay. Packers suck. And I like the Packers and, and, to go against my dad as a Chicago bear, their biggest rival was the Packers. So that's what I ended up doing. So I started going for the Packers and it was 1989 was the first time I actually really started following the Packers. And, and obviously that got 1000% cemented when they traded for, for far from, from Atlanta and brought up, brought him over. And that to me was, that dude was just, it, it was 100% for far the reason I became a Packer fan. Incredible. He uh, uh, he was definitely handed to us by the gods. I, uh, I I didn't know too much about him when he played college. I mean, I'm one of those guys that only I only really watch one sport addictively. The rest I watch, you know, as it happened. Yeah. Oh, here comes the series. Okay, I will, I'll watch the World Series. Right. I mean, in Canada, we don't really, you know, when the Blue Jays were in. Of course, I watched playoff games when the blue jays are in but other than that you know or the raptors or something other than that we you know it's usually the americans winning american sports yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know yeah so cool so where were you living were you have you have you always lived in el paso is this born and raised man i've other than lubbock um which is where i, I went to texas tech university in lubbock texas I lived there for a couple of years, but I've really never left El Paso. It's always been my home base. I've traveled quite a bit. I mean, when I played rugby, I've traveled the entire world, man. I was everywhere. I lived in England. I lived in, but just a couple months, you know, there's little stints here and there where I was playing. It was professional. It was club, but it was professional rugby that I was playing. And I was doing a lot of traveling from uh, probably like 97 to 2003 was when I was really kind of in my in my prime as a rugby player, right? I mean, that 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 sweet age where I'm like 21 to 26 years old. I was actually pretty decent player. So I did a lot of traveling, but I always came home to El Paso. Always. Never really left. I would leave for stints and always come back. Nice. So what do you think about this whole Rogers wants his own say? You know, in listening to him, first off, he's he's a smart motherfucker, dude. He really yeah. is. You can't take that away from him. He's he's eloquent. He's to the point. And if you ask him the question, he will answer it. Everything's prepared and everything's planned, but he will answer the question. And what what came away from that podium for me was what I was hoping. 
It's, dude, had you spoken earlier? I know I'm on your side. Like I'm pissed off at you for staying quiet and making it a thing when it shouldn't have been a thing because we know you're right. There's, we knew there was a right and wrong on both sides. You have both stories and then you have the middle and that's where the truth is, right? And yeah. I mean, he had a point with everything he was doing because he does, he does everything intentionally. He does not do stuff to screw with people. But at this point, I mean, he does. I, I take that back. He does stuff to screw with people, but it's with a purpose or some sort of intention. And there's two things that stood out to me on that, that that basically convinced me to kind of lean more towards him than I was the way I was more leaning towards the organization. I think we were like a 70-30 organization. He's probably right, 30% organization, 70%. He just wants power. He wants to control everything. But there was the one thing that he said initially as he was going through this, and I don't care about all the names and all the people that he treated in the past. I get it. Like he's setting, he was setting the roadmap, right? To what he was trying to get to with everybody. And there's circumstances to the players that he mentioned that that could potentially not have allowed us to sign those players. I get it, whatever it is. But when he said in February, right after the loss that he approached them and he wanted to talk to them about his contract and see what could be done. They basically told him to go fuck himself. And as he was trying to work through this stuff and trying to explain what the issues were with communication and those types of things, they never really reached out to him to do anything with him until May. So I'm pissed off at him from the draft on through July, right? But the team never even reached out to him to make an effort to even do anything. He said, after an MVP season, I came into the room and I said, hey, let's talk about this. He was expecting an extension, which we would all want, right? You have an MVP who still has probably a good solid five years left in him at least. And I he think did, he, yeah. Right? Yeah, and, I think he's got four or five at least. And 80% Rodgers is better than 90% of the of the quarterbacks in the league. Forgive me for sounding like a homer, but 80% Rodgers, even his 2018 and 2019 seasons, which were down years, were great years. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it's just, well, great for standards in general but good for our standards with him so it just it opened my eyes a little bit to say all right there is something here and I'm, I'm siding more with Rogers that's where I am with this thing I understand where he's coming from but and it's it's not about telling the team what to do because we nobody wants Rogers to be the GM but what all he's saying is dude I work out with people I play with other players I spend time in the off season with other people. It's not just about the players and what you think it's from a locker room standpoint. He said all the right things, right? He said, just let me give you some input. And if you're not going to choose him, I bet you he'd be okay with dude. We can't sign this dude because of this or because of this, whatever it is, but he wants to be in the room, which is a fine balance that we're going to have to play. But I was always hoping that this was going to be the outcome for me because we were a roller coaster, dude. I was like, fuck him. I love him. Fuck him. I love him. Fuck him. I love him. Whatever it was. And that was frustrating for me all off season, but there's a purpose behind it because they didn't talk to him for three months. So when all this Schefter, Schittler, Stifler, whatever it is stuff came out, um, we all assume, right? And when you assume you make an ass of you and me, which is why he talked about just being the quietest person in the room, man. What about you? I mean, what are you thinking right now about Rogers? I'm 85% on his side. I think that he is, he has earned the right to have some say. I think that all along, really, I mean, after he kind of proved himself 
after his third or fourth year, I think they should have been asking him right away. Uh, uh, what do you need? What would make you feel more comfortable? What would be easier for you? What is the one thing you think you're missing? Mm -hmm. You know, the Packers don't seem to draft like that though. You know what I mean? Like we'll all be screaming. We need a wide receiver. And the Packers will go, well, the best guy on the board right now is this tackle. And as much as as fans, we disagree with an awful lot of their picks. You know what? For the last 30 years, we've been pretty successful. And I don't want to rock the boat. Batting better than average, right? In the first round in our picks, we were batting better than average, which is all you can ask. Because even in the first round, it's a 50-50 shot if the dude's going to make it or not to his second contract. I mean, look at look at the Bears fans were screaming, Justin Fields, he's going to walk on water. He's going to do, apparently, he, he has not been looking good the first few days of camp. Apparently, there's a whole bunch of issues. And, and you know, you, you hate to see it because, honestly, as a fan, as a Packer fan, I want to see the Bears competitive because when we beat their ass, it's even better, right? I don't want to see a floundering team that's arguing on the sidelines and this guy's hurt and they can't do this and they can't do that because, you know, it's, it's just an easy excuse. If there's yeah. excuse. I don't want any excuses because even when we've got them and they're fully healthy and we beat their ass, they, oh, well, they're refs. I No, bottom line, I want to hear you say, no, yeah, we were 100% ready to go, and you beat our ass. Just like Tennessee, you know, the, the coach there from Tennessee came out the other day, and he said, we knew exactly what the Packers' defense was going to do against us. We knew exactly. There was no surprises, no nothing, no changes. But they just beat our ass. And that's what I want to hear, right? That goes back to that old Vince Lombardi mentality where they put that Packers sweep in, and everybody and their dog would know that we're running that sweep, and it's going exactly here, and we're going to make a seal here, and we're going to make a block here, and there's going to be an alley, and that's where the we're going to matriculate down the field. Exactly, right? And if we execute, there's nothing that they can do to stop us. And that's the mentality that I like about a football team right. is, is I don't care what you line up as. you got to beat me, period. You got to beat me. You got to beat my guy. You got to beat my best guy against your best guy. Here we go. This is it. It, it, and it becomes about the player in that certain position because scheme and everything comes down to, do you have the right person in the right place? Right. So you can, and, and not necessarily, and that's, that's the defensive side of it or the offensive side with the play calling, but then that player needs to execute what you're asking him to do because the other team knows they've scouted you just as much as, as you've scouted them. And it's one-on-one -on -one, Jair versus, so we're playing week one. Unfortunately, we're not going to, so we're not going to get to play the, it, we're playing the saints, but there's no Michael Thomas, right? Yeah. Yeah. And no. one of their defensive tackles is out. Yeah. And I think one of their old linemen is out too. And no Drew Brees. So and no Drew Brees. Yeah. It's kind of, it's a win and we'll take it. If, I mean, we got to play the game. That's why they play the game. But I'd much rather see them at full strength with their best you players. Want to see Jair on Michael Thomas. Yeah, like that's that's what you want to see because you, and, and that's what I'm looking forward to because we have you, dude. Our team's so stacked. That is what yeah. fires me up. We are so stacked at every level. I mean, it, what is our weak? Okay, I've got a question for you. What is the weakest part of our interior team? linebacker? Interior linebacker interior linebacker that's, well, that's it. always yeah yeah the inside linebacker the, the we've been I, looking for one since um 
gosh, AJ Hawk, Nick Barnett. Like we haven't had an interior linebacker for quite a while. They moved Clay Matthews over and Clay Matthews was a great interior linebacker, but I kind of want to see my interior linebacker about 25 pounds heavier. You know, like you're, I want to see that big, thick Brian Erlacher, you know, that, that guy in the middle, that's just, come on, bring it to me. And, you know, they go, Oh, well, Martinez and this. Yeah. Well, okay. Listen, unfortunately, Martinez in the scheme that we run, everything is funneled to poor Martinez and these guys, because they were ripping through our two defensive linemen on the line. They were, the old line was just ripping that apart. And unfortunately he was getting the bulk, the bulk of the work. I, I have a feeling and we talked about this on an earlier pod about bringing uh, Z inside, right? I think what they're going to do, because they don't put a lot of emphasis on the inside linebacker position, not that it's not important, not that they're not doing it, but the Packers have never done it. And maybe what they do is with Rashawn now and Preston now getting into shape, apparently and looking pretty decent in camp, but Clark and Z as opposed to having a linebacker, maybe they're going to move him inside, right? To create that pressure and, or just disrupt the backfield. So he doesn't get to that second level. And then we've got the secondary to cover anything. If we don't get home, we've got the secondary man on to cover, but we're just not going to worry about that, that linebacker position maybe, right? When you should change your team's name to summer's Eve, because you're all a complete douche. Think Vikings. You are listening to Packers Without Borders with Matt and Bruce. I mean, our secondary with the addition of Stokes, I, I mean, now it's you, you can't go to either side. Before, you would put your faster guy on King and you would go, here you go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wear King down. And you know what? Poor King was never utilized properly, mm-hmm. right? He's a great coverage guy, but he doesn't have the speed. And unfortunately, in Pettit's scheme, he would always end up being on the speed because the corners never travel. So they would move their fastest guy over and put him right over King. And poor King would be standing there going, I'm about to get beat deep. Here it goes. Yeah. Right. And he wouldn't give us the backside bingo or the cover two or give us any over the top help with the safety. And poor King would just get beat. Backside bingo. Is that what she said? That's exactly what she said. That's exactly what she said. She likes backside bingo. You see that there? Support the troops. Did you get that? Wait, did you do the $6 shirts? Yeah, man. I took your advice. I did the $6 shirts. Hashtag not a sponsor, but $6 shirts. Please sponsor $6 shirts. All of your t-shirts. We will do a commercial. Aren't those awesome? We, I I took advantage of, uh, they had like a deal. It was like buy 10 and get two free or maybe it was, Yeah. yeah, something like that. Right. And uh, so I took advantage and man, there was tons. I, I could have bought two or 300. So I ordered them on the 19th. Now I'm up in Canada, yeah. right? Yeah. So I ordered them on the 19th and I got mine uh, two, yesterday. I got mine yeah. yesterday. So it was like 10 days. That's fast. That's fast. What have you got there? What's that there? Oh, I like that. That's the, uh, that's the, uh, who's that? Princess uh, Leia. Uh, Princess Leia. Yeah. yeah, dude, but I've got one. I've got the oh dude, there's just so many wonderful shirts on that, dude. I've got there's one that just says eight six seven five three oh nine on it. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I got of course I got the support the troops. I got the uh I posted it yesterday, the uh the the knight who gets his arm chopped off from the Monty Pythons. He's missing an arm and he says it's just just to his, just his a flesh but a scratch. Yeah, yeah just a scratch. 
Yeah. Just a scratch. I got that one. I got one that says, that's what. And then it's got like the little dash and it says she, right? Yeah. Like that's what she said. Yeah. Of course, I got uh, Ghostbusters. It says we came, we saw, we kicked his ass, right? Yeah. There's yep. a whole bunch on there that, man, I could have, I could have, I could have been buying all so Go long. check out $6 shirts, even though they don't sponsor us. It's badass. Um, but yeah, $6 shirts kicks ass. And you know, these are the fruit of the loom shirts. So when you order your size, it is true to your size after you wash it. It's yeah, not it's like those, strong. it's, it's not like, yeah, it's not like those cheap shirts that some podcast has been trying to push off as merch. I won't mention any names, but yeah, it rhymes so, with, uh, flackers without, uh, daughters. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you know. Just, so what it's important we say this, right? I guess when you're ordering our shirts and our merch and people have been wonderful, we've actually had a lot of support with that type of stuff. Order a size bigger because they're not pre-shrunk. They're hundred percent cotton, which is what we're going to do, right? We're not going to get you guys garbage, but just make sure that you buy a bigger shirt. And this is yeah. Big, yeah, it's commercial, isn't it? This is beautiful. We went from Packers to a long commercial. We went to a, a, a two-minute commercial. Hey, what else we want to plug here, Bruce? Hey, you know what, Bruce? I heard that you are going to read a new commercial for some uh, uh, company up here in Canada. Am I? That's what I heard. Oh, well, <laughs> guess why? Turf Boss Landscaping and Property Maintenance. Servicing Winnipeg and surrounding areas, years of professional service and experience. We have tools, we have staff to complete your project on time and on budget. Go to turfboss.ca. That's for Canada, T U R F B O S S dot C A. Let us get you started on your next project because Turf Boss is there for you. <laughs> <laughs> dramatic pause. I love the dramatic pause. That was great. I was like, oh, where are they? Oh, they are there for me. <laughs> That's fantastic. I love that. Range Shiner Hurricanes, wasp nests. It doesn't oh. matter. If you guys would hear the stories about Turf Boss um, and what he has to deal with on a daily basis. Um, seriously, he he. I, I hear him. We, we talk about this all the time. And the dude is spot on man. He takes care of he takes care of his clients. So if you need something up there in in Canada. Only only in Manitoba. Only in Manitoba, Winnipeg, Oak Bank, uh, let's see, uh, Selkirk, uh, Headingley. There's a handful of little towns around Oak Bank. Yeah. I appreciate I appreciate the shout out. I had to do uh, it, buddy. But, I yeah. appreciate that, man. That's why I love you. That's why I love you. So, so you became a Packer fan in '89. What is your greatest? If you had to pick one, one game. Okay. So here, let me try this. Sweet baby Jesus. You're on a deserted island. Yeah. <laughs> you only I've have never heard this. what? No, you've never heard this before. No. No. Oh, it's a new thing I'm trying. Oh, so you're on a... This <laughs> is my new stick. <laughs> okay. If you're on a deserted island... Oh, I've had too many edible. Here we go. If you're on a deserted island and you and only you had... had to play one Packer game on loop, what would it be? What See, would it be? We were on the same channel, buddy. I got you. There you go. Oh, man, it, it would probably have to be, and it's not even going to be 
Rodgers or Favre, it's going to be the 2003 greatest comeback in Packer history that I ever saw was against the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas with Matt Flynn. 28 down at halftime and came back and won that game. I saw that game live. That is the greatest game I've ever seen. That was fantastic. That was fantastic. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I spent $150 on beers in the first half because obviously I'm surrounded by Cowboy fans. You were at the game. I was at the game with my wife. Yep, that was her first. That was her first Packer game. Oh, perfect game yeah. to go to. Yeah, no Rodgers, and obviously she was looking forward to being Rodgers. And there's a little background story to this. So we were tailgating, and I've got a little bit of a, of a Rodgers look to me. Not, I'm not a doppelganger, but a li- enough. Even though I'm five nine and 170 pounds, soaking fucking wet, um, we're walking up to the stadium. And my wife can attest to this. I had people running up to me thinking I was Rogers and taking pictures and asking for my autograph as we were walking into the stadium. It's like, what the hell? I had a cap on my jersey. And I was like, well, he's hurt. He's not playing. So you're out here. And everybody thought that because he wasn't playing, it was just announced that he wasn't playing. So they thought that you're okay. Here's the guy who smashed off his ass. Who's five, nine, one seventy, walking into a stadium. And uh, I was posing outside with people, taking pictures and people I mean, that just goes to show you how smart people are in Dallas. Absolutely. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so we walk in and as we sit down, that, that stadium is badass, by the way. I will, I, I will give props to Jerry Jones on that stadium. It is a kick-ass stadium. Oh, it uh, looks incredible. It looks yeah. incredible. And we're sitting in there and everybody around us is Cowboy fans because Packer fans travel really well, but they're usually yeah. in sections. And the ones that I got, I got from obviously a Cowboy fan reselling. So I was in like the Cowboy section and all the Packer fans on the other side of the stadium. And then it's like my wife and I surrounded by freaking Cowboys. And uh, we bet them for every touchdown, let's buy a beer, right? Beer per touchdown. So four touchdowns in the first half to zero for the Packers. And it was like four people I bet with. So I was literally like 10 bucks a pop, four people, 40 bucks around four touchdowns, $160 in the hole, like at, at halftime, but second half rolls around. And guess what? My wife and I had 16 beers sitting in front of us <laughs> by the end of the game. And we were trying to drink them as fast as we could. And we couldn't. So we just kind of hung out with all the Cowboy fans there and like, oh, you guys need to help us with this. We're not going to make it. And we were just kind of slamming all these like 16 ounce beers at the end of the game. But they ended up having to pay me back four times as much, you know. So I, I bought 16 beers and, and I'm not joking. It was probably about 30 or 40 beers that we had on the floor just sitting there in front of me that we had to drink. And we just started inviting people over to start drinking with us. So people, they, they were pissed that they lost. I was like, Oh, come have a beer for your loss or whatever. And yeah, like, yeah. Fuck you. But the next thing, we were like, <laughs> so, but we sat there until security came out and tossed us out. Cause we were just having like a good time in the stands after the game was over. It was pretty cool, man. So that game, just that part of it that I saw it live and I did that. And just for me, the comeback, was fucking awesome so that's that's why nice what about you if you were on a deserted island and you had to play a vhs tape of a packer game on what's a what's a vhs tape a beta i'm I'm, I'm sorry i'm I'm not that old 
the beta. I'm, I don't know what you're talking the about. I, I'm disc? only I'm 22. Laser disc. <laughs> I used to have a laser disc. I, know I remember. Doing. I remember. Okay, you want to know how old I am? This is how old I am. Okay, I had a thirty-two inch, and it was the tube TV. And I, out of all of my friends, had the biggest TV. So we would come to my house to watch a thirty-two inch. Right? My yeah. kids have thirty-five inches in their room, and they, oh well, you know, I think we could get something bigger. And I just look at them like, you know, it wasn't until I was like. 30 that I had something bigger than a 32 inch <laughs> you know that's what she said but my kids, oh. you know my kids don't have Matt my kids don't have any televisions in their rooms yet I have not. what nope nope they're like 99 bucks you know if you go around oh, no, black no, no. it's about screen time man no you want to watch tv we control it living room my bedroom and they can they, they use my bedroom tv and they can watch it, but nothing in their room. Mm -mm. See, my kids, they yeah. only use it about, like, generally everybody is in their rooms for about 10 o'clock. I mean, I've got a 14-year-old, and, you know, she's 10, 30, 11. Mm -hmm. You know, it, you're constantly, hey, it's like 11 o'clock. Should you be asleep? The uh, uh, My 10-year-old, he'll go in there, like, they'll have their shower, and then they go, all right, I'm going to go in my room. I'm going to go watch my own show, you know? So, Really, they only watch it for maybe half hour to an hour a day, you know, as they're getting ready to go to bed, that sort of thing, like a wind down, you know, Which is other the worst than that, you can possibly do, by the way, is screen time before bed. Apparently, well, apparently I'm screwing it right up. All I know, you know is, we, is that they, we, they go to sleep. So <laughs> we, we screw up on so much stuff. So, OK, Laserdisc. Did you really have a Laserdisc? Yeah, I had a Laserdisc. You know, what my first Laserdisc was what yes guess, guess. think about the time frame okay it would have been a futuristic movie terminator it had, it had harrison ford in it star wars no oh it came out around the same time well no it was a couple of years later i guess oh uh running man or blade runner blade, blade runner blade runner that was my first laser disc was blade, blade runner bad ass movie dude Oh, seeing Daryl Hannah topless. Oh, wow. that's right. That's Bruh. right. I'm trying to think. Of, <laughs> I, was, I was trying to remember. You're right. So Harrison Ford, I was thinking Arnold Schwarzenegger was, uh, was the other, was it where they, where they shot him in a tube and he had to survive Remember where, uh, running man. Yeah. Running man. Yeah. 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 I think yeah. that was a couple of years later, wasn't it? Yeah. I think yeah. running man was a couple of years later because that one, uh, that one had uh, oh, who was the uh, uh, the Spanish girl in it? Uh, uh, Maria Cachita Alonso, I think it was. Mm -hmm. Was that who it was? It was and they used to wear those, the, the, those eighties like workout pants uh, that were oh, basically. Oh, I don't know how. I don't know how I didn't go completely blind through the 80s i'm telling you i do not know how because all of these gorgeous spanish women were coming up and they were we were starting to get introduced to you know the latin vibe and stuff like that and i'll tell you i oh, i have a complete weakness i have a complete weakness for the accent as soon as i've gone to customers houses and you know the husband's standing there and he's like this is happening that's happening I go, okay sir yeah let me let me try and and then the wife comes out and she's like oh hello sir and she's got that 
you know, Thanks. that lactate. Oh my, whatever it is, whatever it is. I'm telling you, whatever it is, I give up. So if you were on a deserted island and you weren't married. <laughs> Which two women would I take? It would be, it would be Sofia Vergara. I mean, obviously Sofia Vergara. Okay. And then, um, you know, um, I, okay. So I don't know the actress's name, but you know, the uh, TV series Lethal Weapon. Have you seen that? I have not TV seen this. With TV Damon TV. Wayans. It's Damon Wayans' wife, Trish. Goodness. Okay, she Google in, it. Uh, yeah, Google, Google it. it. Okay, Google it. The, the, the TV series Lethal Weapon, Damon Wayans' wife, Trish. She's flawless. Absolutely flawless. And just incredible. Just, it, she. I, I got to watch what I say. <laughs> I got to... So, all right. So it's either Keisha Sharp, Jordana Brewster. No, it's not Jordana Brewster. It's not. No, 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 no. Chandler Kinney, uh, Hillary Burton. Who is it? She is the what? Who does she play on this thing? She plays Trish. She is Keisha Sharp. Keisha, Keisha Sharp. Sharp. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, goodness. I'm telling you, those two ladies could be bedwetters, and I would not complain. I would not complain. I'd sleep in the wet spot. It's okay. I'm all right. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're just eating eating crackers in bed, and I wouldn't even, just nothing. <laughs> this is what's happening to this show right now, dude. I'm standing on the chair, and I'm just going to... There Jump. it goes. Yeah. That's We're it. gone. And buddy. We're in the deep end. We're yeah. in the deep end of the pool, yeah. kids. <laughs> Stuff could happen. Stuff yeah. could happen. Do you yeah. bring your life preserver? No. I no. don't use that. My life preserver is uh, in her wallet right now and she's spending it. That's right. <laughs> I'm Jeremy Retz. You're listening to Packers Without Borders. Go Pack Go. No, seriously, Matt, this is because it, it really is. You, you come from a Packer family. So how did you become a Packer fan? So my grandfather, he, uh, uh, he got out of World War II. Um, he was on actually the USS uh, Yorkton. He was nearly sunk twice in the uh, uh, South Pacific there against the Japanese in World War II. And uh, he took a job with uh, Lambeau Trucking when he came back and uh, worked for them for a number of years. And uh, my father was born in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And um, they moved from there. Uh, actually, when they moved from there, uh, Bart Starr had... Uh, just moved to Green Bay, that area. And uh, uh, funny story, my grandfather found out uh, after the paperwork and everything that actually Bart Starr had uh, purchased his house. That's when my grandfather had sold his house to move. So they moved to Ontario, soon arrows and started a fishing lodge, but that's, that's what everybody from Wisconsin does. So um, it was in my blood. I had no, no real choice. And unfortunately, for most of my formative years and an awful lot of my high school years, we were horrible, horrible, just terrible. We were the, you know, the joke of the league. The team wasn't playing in Green Bay. It was playing in Madison. It was playing. The 80s were the worst. Oh, uh, it was, it was rough. It was really rough. And you, you know, as a fan, you think to yourself, like sooner or later, we got to get better. I mean, now I know how, you know, Detroit and Cleveland feel like 
especially Detroit. Like you, like sooner or later, lightning's got to strike. And lightning strikes at least once, right, buddy? At, at least just once, just some type of anything. And you know, a lot of these new fans, they don't understand that we were hoping to be mediocre. Mm-hmm. We were hoping to be as successful as the Bears have been for the last couple of years. We've been hoping to be in like the Jeff middle. Fisher successful, Jeff Fisher. The, yeah, be, you know, just just eight five hundred would be a great season, right? It would give us yep. hope. And one day, while everything was looking bleak against the Cincinnati Bengals, mm-hmm. and they took out our 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 quote unquote star quarterback. Mm-hmm. And they brought in this kid from Mississippi and his first couple of throws were our 200 miles an hour and way off a target. Mm-hmm. And I thought, here we go again, target, stay on target. Here we go again. I don't know how many more years as a fan you are actually supposed to go through this. You know, the Cubs, they talked about their, was it like 56 years or 65 years or something before they yep. won the world series? What was it? crazy? right? Crazy. The curse of the Bambino or something with the Red Sox, right? So they get some type of curse. And then all of a sudden we start winning and Favre starts pulling out these holy moly Hail Mary type throws. These don't throw it there. Right. Mick talked about this earlier on that pod where he said, dad, we got something here. Like you could see all of a sudden out of nowhere, this dude shows up and he's got something, man. Like we have a shot. Well, in that one guy, right, it's just like Swag Daddy being out in Detroit and having that attitude and bringing that energy in. And Favre having that, you know what, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to wing it. You guys make sure you're where you are because it's coming. Because I'm going to break your fucking fingers. Yeah. Oh, and and he didn't care. He's like, oh, double team, triple team. I'm going to throw that through through that window. I'll just throw it harder. Yep. Right? And that's what, that's what made Favre Favre. And I think a lot of us, especially when you're over the age of 20, a lot of us have that that sentiment for Favre because he took us from the depths of the basement where the Lions were kicking our asses, where the Bears and Vikings would toss us around like we were ragdolls for years. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing we could do about it. He took us from that to now we're a team. And now we believe. And now we're a contender. And mm-hmm. if you look at what Favre did for a lot of those coaches, man, he had Gruden, he had Mariucci, he had uh, Andy Reid, Mike Holmgren. I mean, oh. you, you look at, I mean, even even the guys that were filling water are now coaching somewhere in the NFL at that time because yeah. Favre was making careers with these amazing throws. Yeah, you're right. And, and if I had, if I was on a desert island and there was only one one game to watch forever and ever. Uh, I, I, I mean, as much as that Favre played for his dad game, and that was uh, incredible. I mean, I, I still don't have complete words. Oh, dude, that- Army and I talked about that game. Yeah. There's no words to describe that game. That's an epic game. There, there's no words to describe that game. There really isn't because everybody took it a specific way, right? Like it hit everybody, not even Packer fans, just everybody in general. The Raider fans cheering on Brett. Raider fans cheering on Brett. I mean, let me say that again. The dudes that throw batteries at players were cheering for Brett. Yeah, I don't I don't think we'll ever see something like that ever again. So which game, which game is it, Matt? If it's not that one, which one is it, dude? Because I, I, I thought about that game too, just 
so it's in one of one of Favre's, I think it was his final year or his second final year with the Packers. And it's uh, in Denver, overtime, first play to Jennings for the winner touchdown. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. What year was that, man? That was 2000. That was Brett being the gunslinger that Brett is up against. And at the time, one of the most ferocious defenses oh, yeah. that the NFL had. Uh, there was no fly zone. You had Dre Bly and you had Champ Bailey uh, just keeping everything knocked down. And it was far 2007. And 2007. Play was 82 yards, dude, to Jennings. Yeah. It was. I remember. 2007. I remember that was on a Monday night football game. And mm-hmm. I remember sitting there. We really needed that win, too. That wasn't one of those, we can't get away with this without the win. We needed that win. And. That defense was so good, and Favre and the offense would sputter, 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 and then, and then something would happen. Sputter, sputter, sputter. I remember Denver came running out with like two seconds left with their kicking team, and they kicked a field goal to tie it. Like it was one of those. People probably don't remember that game, and now I'm remembering that game. I'm going to go through this real quick just so people know what game you're talking about. So Favre Packers unleash on Broncos in overtime. On the first play following the kickoff in overtime, Brett Favre connected on an 82-yard touchdown pass with Greg Jennings, and the Packers defeated the Broncos 19-13 on Monday night. Favre threw for 331 yards and two touchdowns. Ryan Grant, 22 carries, 104 yards. Greg Jennings, six receptions, 141 yards and one touchdown. Who was the quarterback for the for the Broncos? Do you remember? Oh, goodness. Uh, oh, was it Orton? No. It was the best non-Green Bay Packer quarterback to ever suit up for the Green Bay Packers, which is Jay Cutler. Oh, right. Right. It was Cutler. Oh, even better. There you go. <laughs> even better. I could watch that just a little a bit more. stats there with that game, but I remember that game. I, I remember just coming out of the tunnel just right away. It was just like overtime, boom, bang, done, bang, biscuit, get the hell out, dude. It was amazing. I remember I remember. Uh, uh, my phone wouldn't stop ringing as everybody was going, I can't believe we're going to overtime. This is ridiculous. What's going on? And then we got into overtime, and I remember they lined up, and Favre looked over at Jennings and looked back, and that was all they needed. They both saw exactly the same thing. And Favre stepped back and just, and as soon as he let it go, he almost put his hands up. Like, I got it. Like, remember yeah. that touchdown to Ryzen at the beginning of the uh, uh, the Super Bowl that he won? As soon as he threw it, he had his hands up. I got him. I got him. It's oh, over. It's over. Ryzen, dude, man. Yeah, yeah. right? So, dude, yeah, that's that's a that's a great game, dude. Because you get an, and you know what? That's a good game for a deserted island because you get a little bit of extra, even though it's just a couple seconds, you get a little yeah. bit more football out of it, right? Yeah, yeah, it was well worth it. Fantastic game. You know, another connection that I have with the Packers in terms of me, my fandom that that most people don't know that I just thought about right now when you mentioned Bart Starr, Bart Starr wore number 15. 15. So the reason I started playing fullback in in rugby was because that so in rugby you don't pick your your number the position you play is, is the number that you're assigned. So one is a prop, two is a hooker, two is a prop, you know, and you go down the road and the last number of the starting numbers is 15. And that's the fullback. That's the dude in the very back. So 
because I loved Bart Starr and I loved the Packers 15. So I, I grabbed the, when I went to my first practice, I grabbed the 15 jersey and I slapped it on and the coach came up to me and this was at Texas tech. And he's like, you need to earn that. I was like, okay, what do I need to do? But I put on the 15 Jersey and that was it, man. I, my rookie season, I, there was nobody, nobody had the, nobody wanted to play that position. So apparently that Jersey was available. They had like a pile of jerseys and all the starters had their jerseys. And within all those jerseys, which are the 23s, the 27s, all there was a 15. I was like, dude, Bart Starr, and I took it. But that's because nobody ever wanted to play that position. That's why I started playing fullback in rugby was because of the number 15 in Bart Starr. And it was somebody, I, yeah. I, I never got to pick my jersey. I never got to pick my jersey number. I, I, we, would, we would line up and the coach would just hand them to you. And then, and then some kids would go, oh, well, I'll trade you. And they trade amongst themselves. And I'd go, oh, you know, can I have this number? And the coach would go, Larson, you're lucky you're getting this one. (laughs) They were so mean back then. I mean, let me tell you, they do not have any sensitivity training back then. Back then, they would run the meat grinder until the team went from 60 players down to 30. (laughs) You know know what the point was? And and here's kind of a a mindset shift that's been going on now that I think I'm struggling with that you might be struggling with a little bit too. And it's not... I'm not, con- uh, I'm condoning bullying. I'm condoning all that stuff. I don't agree with it. My kids deal with it, but we grew up with it. But the difference was to a certain extent, you didn't take it as seriously as people take the stuff. Now I kind of just let stuff slide off of me because everybody, you know, it, it, with, with my buddies, it's like, if you weren't being bullied and you didn't have a nickname, you like, you didn't fit in. Like you weren't taking it negatively. It was just like, here's how I'm going to fit in with, with this group. And whoever it was, whether it was my buddies, like to this day, we still give each other a bunch of shit, you know, like constantly we're giving each other shit, but we don't take it personally. And if something, and, and what I do remember is if something did bother me, I'd speak up about like, fuck you, dude, what'd you say? Brought to you by Bud Light. When you can't find a full sale brewing session beer anywhere, think Bud Light. Hashtag not a sponsor. Hello everyone, I am Andrew Fox and you are listening to Packers Without Borders with Bruce and Matt. So, Spanish lesson... You don't have a Spanish lesson ready, do you? No, it was with Jeremy. And what I want to do is I'm going to offer to put out some um, really quick and easy Mexican recipes for things to add like a little Mexican flavor to, you know, with grilling and just anything like that. Like the, the chilies remind me, I was like, there's stuff that I do that's really, really fast that, uh, that adds a really quick Mexican kick to stuff. And that's going to be my Mexican, my, my Spanish lesson. It's going to be like, here are some real simple things that you guys can do to, to, to Mexican, Mexican something up with your meals. And it's, you know, so that's all right. That's I was all right. That. I'm in, I'm in. Here we go. So, Matt, our Spanish lesson today is going to be more related to what we call sazón, right? Sazón. Sazón. Flavor. Seasoning, right? Sazón is seasoning. And and as you get into cooking, I'm sure you love grilling. You like that stuff. You're supposed to season stuff at every level that you're cooking it, right? So when you start it, you season with something. As it's going through, you season with something else to kind of layer the flavor. So that final flavor, I I, I want to talk about just giving you guys some pointers on how to give it that little bit of Mexican flair, Latin flair and food. 
And little shout out to Jeremy Retz because he reminded me, you know, with the Chiles Toreados, everybody knows jalapenos, everybody knows serranos, everybody knows habaneros, the different types of chilies. But one of the things I recommend people do just at the end of it, like with your burger, you do a kick-ass burger, you've got your cheeseburger, you've got everything on there. Instead of doing the fresh jalapenos, you grab that, that jalapeno, throw it on the grill. You can throw it in a pan and sear it with a little bit of oil. It doesn't matter. You just want to kind of get the, the outside nice and crispy and flaky, right? Whether it's burnt, doesn't matter. And then you take a little cup and you put some soy sauce in there or some ponzu if you want to do ponzu, either one. Um, some, some, what's it called? English, the Worcestershire sauce. You can put some, a splash of that in there. Wash your, wash your sister sauce. Yeah. yeah, wash your sister sauce. And then there's a sauce called Maggie sauce. And it's M-A-G-G-I, Maggie. I don't know if you can find it or not. That one's optional, but if you can find it, that's that's a really good one. But soy sauce or ponzu sauce, some washer sister sauce, and then some lime. And you just take a full lime and you squeeze it in there. And you take that grilled toreado and you take some onions. White or purple, doesn't matter. And you chop them up into little slices and you throw that in there and you just let that stuff soak and let it soak for maybe 15 minimum of 15 20 minutes the longer you let that stuff soak the more the flavor it gets right so if you do it before so as you're before you throw the burgers on just kind of do the the chilies first get that set aside and soaking and then have your burger and, and do that with some jalapenos and it doesn't matter the type of chili you do but that's a really good way to kind of add a little bit of mexican sazon to whatever it is that you're eating if you like spicy stuff that's especially when you're grilling man throw some jalapenos on there throw them in that sauce just kind of let it sit there with some onions the chilies and do as many as you want then just pull those out and you can either just take a bite out of it or you can slice it and toss it on the burger but that's that that's the spanish lesson is chiles toreados chiles toreados toreados. okay toreados okay nice nice little grill lesson there for you too if you're sitting around ready to grill i'm doing ribs tomorrow I got the whole uh, fan damley uh, coming by tomorrow because uh, almost all of us are uh, uh, 100% vaccinated here in Manitoba. I think we're at like 80% now in Manitoba. We're just crushing it. We're uh, we're going to be uh, opening fully open. We're going to have our uh, 33,000 or 35,000 seat stadium full again. It looks like uh, it looks like Manitoba has finally crossed the the threshold and we're uh, getting into uh, normalcy once again, but we're having the entire family over. Uh, of course I'm doing, everybody says the same thing. Ribs. I got to do ribs. I got to do ribs in the smoker. Pork or beef? Pork, pork ribs. They all like the pork. I like the beef ribs myself, but the, the, the family favorite is pork. And uh, thankfully uh, as uh, pack daddy reminded us, the pork is a little bit cheaper right now. But uh, uh, we're doing pork. I've got uh, carnivore red from uh, Jess uh, Prilis. Prilis, Prilis, fantastic stuff. She's got that hardcore carnivore uh, spicing in that. So I've got the red, and I've got uh, a little. Not a sponsor. Hopefully a sponsor. Hashtag hopefully a sponsor. Yeah. She, um, I've got that going on there. So of course uh, the ribs are going in the smoker tomorrow. So today I put the rub on them. I uh, wrapped them up in uh, saran wrap, put them in the fridge overnight. That way it's uh, dang near uh, 24 hours of uh, having the rub on them. And then I'll put them in at 225 into, uh, I'm thinking of doing a little pecan and a little applewood uh, chips in the uh, smoker. Yeah. 
And then uh, they take anywhere from four to six hours. My smoker is somewhere around that four and a half, five hour mark. So at three hours, I start to put the sweet baby Ray's barbecue well, you sauce. You cleaned it out last week, right? I, I, I didn't clean it, clean it. I cleaned it. Now, yeah. I'm told by a lot of people, you have to leave a lot of that flavor still in there. But like I, I, I took a little uh, uh, sunlight soap and a little dish rag and, you know, kind of wiped everything down and cleaned everything out and got rid of any drips or, you know, gunk yeah. that may be causing any bacteria or anything out of there. But a lot of that smoke is still in there. You, you can't walk past the smoker without it smelling like, like smoke, right? It's oh, like deliciousness. Oh, I'm telling you, when the wind blows just right, you're like, oh, am I smoking something today? What happened? What's going on? Did yeah. I forget? Did I put something in there? So yeah, we're going to do some ribs tomorrow in the smoker. Every Sunday, I find it's important that my kids every Sunday, I mean, most meals we sit down at the table and uh, we have our meals together. And uh, I find that every Sunday, it's important that we have, you know, that big meal and we kind of just take it easy on Sundays and uh, something goes either in the slow cooker or it goes into the smoker. And, you know, we have the, the mashed potatoes and, you know, the whole fill yeah. up the whole table. You do, and- you do the spread on Sundays. Yeah. Sundays are the one day, regardless of what's going on. And I told him as old as you get, Sundays are family days. I don't care what you're doing Friday, Saturday, especially if the kids are getting older. Sundays are family days. We, we try to do one meal a day together if we can with everything going on and work and all those things. So we try to at least do one meal a day, but Sundays for sure, like you, man, it's like, it's, it's full on. I did yeah. some, pork, I did some pork belly tacos yesterday for the first time. Yesterday. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Did raisined, you know, threw it in yeah, there. Yeah. Instead of water, I did beer with rosemary and all the good stuff. Ooh. The oven for, I think I did it was 275 for about four hours and then took it out of there and I threw it straight into fucking a fryer and fried the shit out of it and just the pork belly just the meat just or the the fat just popped up beautiful little chicharrones so it's like chicharron with meat dude little tacos that I did yesterday so that's what I did yesterday we did uh um it's a uh, Italian, I guess it would be, or maybe Roman. I, I don't know. Uh, Little Caesars. That's what we did yesterday. <laughs> yeah, my son is a huge Little Caesars fan, right? Like no matter, he could eat one of those cheese pizzas, you know, those $5 hot and ready cheese pizzas. He could eat one of those by himself. He absolutely loves Little Caesars. Myself, I there's a place in town uh, in the city called uh, Nicolino's. And their 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 dough is handmade. All of the uh, the sauce is handmade. It's all fresh ingredients. Like I mean, fresh, fresh. Are you nothing frozen. Hand tossed? Are you thin and crispy? Or oh no, you- regular hand tossed. I like a little bit of a, a little bit of a crust to my uh, to my pizza. I don't like those thin. You know, my kids like the thin crust. Uh, I like. It's got to have a little bit of a chew to it. It's got to yeah. have a little bit of a chew to it. And uh, I, I'm not a fan of the deep dish. You yeah. know, deep dish is like a quiche. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, there's just yeah. so much to it. It's like, no, it, it, I, I want... Very uh, Chicago-y. Very Chicago-y. So if you're ordering yeah, pizza, if you're ordering pizza at your house, if you're calling, who do you call? Who do you call to get delivered pizza? Oh, man. I, no, I go pick it up. So delivery pizza... It's the thin and crispy. I like thin and crispy. I also like hand toss, depending on where it's coming from. So we do Pizza Hut, thin and crispy, Supreme, Super Supreme, that type of stuff. The Hawaiian, my girls like. 
but my favorite the Hawaiian, pizza. the Hawaiian yeah. with pineapple. Yeah, which I hate. That's the best. Your children are the smartest children. I'm I telling you. I, I can eat it. I don't, it's not my favorite. I like everything on it, dude. I like yeah. kitchen sink pizzas, dude, with like veggies, meat, everything that anything that you've got, you fucking put it on there. That what is it called? The triple crown or something they call oh, it? The super, yeah, the super supreme whatever yeah. it is yeah but that's kind of the or but that's the the box store pizza yeah. whatever yeah. it is there's a place literally right around and it's across from the packer bar about three blocks from my house it's a place called the pizza joint i believe it's local but they literally have so first off their appetizers are these tiny little uh the pizza crust yeah, yeah. cheese and just pepperoni and yeah, they're called yeah. joints like little joints, like, like a yeah. smoking joint. Right. And those yeah. order them six or 12 with some dipping sauce and all that good stuff. But their pizza, their medium pizza is 20 inches or large pizza. I mean, it's like, it's big, it's a big ass pizza, but the sauce, the sauce to cheese to bread ratio on that thing is absolutely perfect. Like they just, but it's a big pizza and it is, it's all handmade hand tossed everything perfect but one slice is like three slices right so whenever we have people over i order four of those and i usually eat pizza for like another week <laughs> yeah yeah cold pizza the next day is the best dude it's the best like I, and yeah. their pizza because it stay it doesn't bend which is what i love about their pizza as big as it is you grab the slice and you pull it and the bottom doesn't tip over it's like perfectly crunchy like on that crust on the bottom where, where you can grab it from the thing. And even though it's like eight inches long, yeah, six inches wide, and it's a big ass slice of pizza. It's like perfect where it just kind of stays in its place. And you can, you don't have to grab the edge to like have this droopy pizza. Perfect. Perfect pizza, man. Non droopy, perfect pizza. There's a, there's a place out here called Santa Lucia and they do a, a ravioli and the ravioli comes in a pan. I don't know. It's probably a 13 inch pan that you take home. Right. And it's like a tinfoil pan. And uh, the first time I ever got it, I was actually dating somebody a long time ago. Yeah. And uh, uh, she ordered two. And I thought, why are you ordering two? They're so big. And she said, you'll see. And she got one right away and she went and she put it in the fridge. And so that night we had ravioli and these raviolis, they're big. They're like the size of golf balls. They're big, meaty, hand pressed. Like filled, oh, like filled properly. Incredible. Yeah. And the cheese that's at the top of this ravioli is it's 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 dang near an inch thick, and it's three mm -hmm. or four different cheeses. I mean, I ate so much, I honestly thought I was going to hurt myself. My stomach hurt so bad. And they have homemade garlic bread that comes with it. And the next day, at like lunchtime, I was like, "Gosh, you know, I wish we had a little bit more of that." Oh wait, she saved it. She went in, she pulled it out of the fridge, she took it out. She put, it, she put it in the microwave for like 15 seconds just to give it just a little bit of a heat. And that those flavors had sat for a day. It marinated. That, oh, it was twice as good the next day. Twice as good. Think that, isn't that the key to cooking, man, especially grilling? Is most people, the prep time, like when you look at prep time on good recipes, it's like 16 hours, 24 yeah. hours. Whatever yeah. it is, because you need to let something sit there. Like you need to plan ahead. You're going to make like you're making ribs tomorrow. Yeah. They're already yeah. in the fridge. They're wrapped. They're soaking in that flavor. From the moment I buy meat, dude, and especially with the pricing meat, I love ribeyes. I love T-bones. I love arrachera. Like I love meat, dude. The second I get that stuff home before I freeze it, 
I open it up and I take some nice kosher salt because it's you you don't want the small salt, you want the big thicker salt, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not sea salt. salt. Yeah. yeah. But you want big chunks so it's not, you know, you want that super coarse salt. And I'll I'll pour it on there and kind of sprinkle it on the do a little salt bay. <laughs> but then wrap it back up and then wrap it, make sure it's airtight, and then I put it back in the freezer but I leave it in there, but I actually season it with salt before I put it back in the freezer. That way, when I take it out and I unthought, I don't have to do shit to it. It's already got the salt and it sat there because it's not going to freeze instantly. It takes a couple hours to freeze, but it takes that salt. And then when you take it out, you've got cured meat that you don't need to do anything to. I just slap a stick of butter on there, dude, maybe some rosemary and just throw it on the grill. But I just kind of the prep time for meat and what we were cooking for is super important, which is what you just fucking said, man. Like it, it, it's, it's planning, you know, just thinking about your ribs right now. You did that rub. You, you're not going to throw it on there and then throw it on the grill. You're just burning off all the flavor. That's not the point. That's why it's called rub. You rub it into the meat. You give them a, you massage it. You, saw, you make it feel good. And then you name it Nancy and then you eat it, bro. Nobody names it Nancy. <laughs> Brother, this was a lot of fun, man. Oh, let me tell you, it's always a pleasure. It's always a pleasure. This this was a fucked up episode. I think we're just going to name this episode 11, What the Fuck Happened? What the fuck? Did we put that right in the title at the top? I don't right, know. Type Maybe. that right in there? Maybe. What the hell's going on? What I don't the, know. What was Bruce? Guys, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> The what was Bruce thinking unedited version, just so you right? see what actually happens with an episode episode. Right? Oh, my God. There's probably about 45 minutes in the middle there. That's just completely unusable. <laughs> or not. <laughs> eh, I'll go through it. Yeah. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? This has been Packers Without Borders. Remember to be good to each other. Life is about God, family, and the Green Bay Packers. Until next time, que Dios nos bendiga. Nos vemos. It's over? That's it? What? Oh, what a chip. <laughs>